This is the 420th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Falcons beat reporter for the AJC. And today I have two friends of mine and two very special guests coming on the show, Jerome Solomon and Jonathan Alexander of the Houston Chronicle. Jerome's a longtime columnist who's been in Houston. He's a native. He's been in there for 25 years and left for a little while to work at the Boston Club, but he's the man in Houston, along with Jonathan Alexander. You might remember him from his days at the Charlotte Observer covering the Panthers for our NFC South folks, but he's uh, the beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle, and we're going to have them by the show to help us get ready for Sunday's game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Houston, the surprising Houston Texans, who are also 2-2. Two and two. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and we have two very special guests from the Houston Chronicle to help us get ready for Sunday's game between the Falcons and the Houston Texans. It's my pleasure to bring on the show today Jerome Solomon and Jonathan Alexander. Thanks for coming on the Bowtie Chronicles, Jerome and Jonathan. Jerome, would you tell the folks um, in here in Atlanta? Well, well, it's not necessarily here. It can go anywhere. <laughs> um, you know, just, <laughs> just, uh, just tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do at the Chronicle, and we'll and then we'll go over to Jonathan. All right. Yeah. First of all, I want to say you know I know this is like the four thousand and five hundred something episode, and <laughs> you finally ran out of people to talk to, so you brought your boy on. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no I, problem. I'm a columnist at the Chronicle. I've uh, been there for mm, about 25 years. I did go to the Boston Globe and was a beat writer for the Patriots for a couple of years, but came back to be a columnist here in my hometown of Houston. Yeah, and if you're all in Houston, he's pretty much the mayor, so you need to know Jerome Solomon when you go to H-Town. Uh, Jonathan, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, Jerome, I felt the same when D-Led um, invited me on. Like I've known D-Lev for some years since my days covering the Panthers. See him twice a year. He never invited me on. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jonathan Alexander, uh, been covering the Houston, Texas as a beat reporter. This is my second year. Previously covered the Carolina Panthers for two years. Uh, and I'm, I'm from Charlotte originally, but was looking for uh, another opportunity. So now I'm here and uh, I'm excited to be on the show. 
Well, thank you all both for coming on. Let's get right into it. I'll start with Jerome. What's happening in Houston with the Texans here? They're off to a two and two start. Uh, it's it's a surprise. Not not that you you know anybody in the NFL can get to two and two depending on your schedule and luck of bounce the ball, etc. What has been surprising though is how well they played in those two wins. And yeah, when you have a rookie quarterback, you're not expecting him to be among the top five or ten quarterbacks in the league, even a first month of his career. And that's what CJ Stroud has done with the Texans and hasn't thrown an interception yet, which is something that you cannot imagine from a rookie quarterback. And D'Amico Rhines has been everything is advertised. We knew he would be a really good coach. Everybody's ever played with him and coached him and been around him, coached with him, all said he would be a great head coach. And he's off to a heck of a start, has that defense playing really solid football across the board. And they've done it with a lot of injuries, too. So it's been really impressive and, and quite a surprise. Yeah, and Jonathan, I saw another lineman went down today. But let, let's start with the quarterback. Uh, you spent some time with his family out in California. Uh, did a, a great story there on C.J. Stroud. What has it been like to cover him on a day-to-day -day basis? It's been great. I mean, you know, considering most quarterbacks that you talk to, and you know this, D-Led, Jerome knows this, most are boring. They try to keep it very vanilla, but – uh, C.J. Stroud is as real as they come. He says what's on his mind. He speaks the truth. He's a confident player. And I think that's really what the Texans really needed. They needed somebody. In, and C.J.'s talked about this. You know, this Houston Texans fan base was really down on this team. You know, they were upset by the three consecutive losing seasons. And C.J. Stroud has really instilled belief in this franchise. They believe that he can help them. And he's helping turn this him and D'Amico Ryans as well as Will Anderson on the defensive side of helping turn this, this team around slowly. And, and they're a little bit ahead of the curve at 2-2. Two two, they can compete for an AFC title, AFC South title this year, it looks like. Um, but, yes, yeah, so they're, they're exceeding expectations, and it's, it's led by, you know, a stellar quarterback who's, who's performing out of his mind right now. Yeah, and Jerome, you mentioned D'Amico. It looked like they they had a big parade when he was named the coach, and that was like just the most positive hire I'd seen in a long time. Uh, what type of – is that honeymoon still going on there in Houston? Oh, yeah, his, his honeymoon will go until he's inducted into the uh, ring of honor at the stadium. I mean, it, he's people have been crazy about him since he was drafted. For people that don't remember, he was – the first pick of the second round the same year that the Texans decided to take Mario Williams number one overall instead of taking Vince Young, the hometown hero, or Reggie Bush, the superstar. And D'Amico ended up having a better career than all of those guys in a lot of ways. And certainly here with the Texans, he was a star from the moment he was here. His teammates at Alabama called him coach. And his teammates at the Texans started calling him cap, short for captain, when he was a rookie. So that's how much of a leader this guy has always been. And so he's he's never made a misstep. So, yeah, when he was hired, it was like bringing home, you know, part of the family. And he is a Texan at heart. And for him to be the guy that could, like, turn him around and have him do some good things down the road, it would be pretty special. Thanks a lot there, Jerome. Hey, and moving over to you, Jonathan, I want to know how they're doing this. I mean, this wasn't, uh, you know, they were thinking – you know, this might take a little while, like like it's doing in Charlotte, by the way. But uh, how did they beat Jacksonville so bad and then, go, and then you know, at home beat the Steelers? I mean, the Falcons had problems with Jacksonville, as you saw in London. So I'm really interested in uh, what happened in that game. Yeah, I think C.J. Strauss is different. 
And, you know, of course, they don't have much NFL film on him yet. And he's he's just a really skilled player. He's a confident player. He's super accurate with the football. And the receivers are playing a lot better than a lot of people expected. Nico Collins is having a career year. He's fifth in the league in receiving yards. They got Tank Dill, who they got in the third round. They weren't really sure, you know, how, how well he could play, but he's having a, a phenomenal year. And Robert Woods, who's coming off that injury, uh, yeah, with the Titans, he's doing pretty solid. So I, I think the pieces around CJ Stroud are playing well. Bobby Sloak is calling a great – as an offensive coordinator, is calling a great game. And the defense is kind of figuring out, you know, their style of play. They struggled early in those first two games, uh, but they've they shut out the Jaguars in that first half, and they shut out the uh, the Steelers in the first half. So I think they're really kind of coming together. I think they they kind of figured out their identity and what they want to be, and uh, they're taking on that mold of D'Amico Ryan's defense, and it's working well for them. But it, I think it really starts with C.J. Stroud and, and how well he's playing. And let me add on to that, Led. Stroud, that confidence, I mean, he was being asked about, you know, having to deal with the, the outside edge rush from uh, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith of the Steelers last week. And at some point he just said, hey, look, they have to play us too. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not afraid. And that's that's something for a rookie quarterback to come out and say. Even a veteran would say that would, would, would mean something. And his teammates had to back him up on that. He's playing behind an offensive line. Where you know they they're not on third streakers, they're on guys who weren't even in the league who are starting and playing for them now, and it's uh it's it's pretty amazing that he can get that done. At, at some point, you you're gonna have one of those days when the line just doesn't deliver. You would think, but he seems to be prepared every week. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for that uh, background. Hey, just a wrong. Um, can you put in hist- historical perspective for us? You know, uh, y'all had lost the team, you got them back since you've been there. They almost, they had a Super Bowl team, I thought, with Arian Foster uh, and that crew. Then he got hurt late in that season. Uh, T.J. Watts up here now, by the way. Matt Shops hanging around here uh, up here, too. But um, just getting it, and then it's kind of dipped. They kind of went off the radar, and looks like they're headed back. Can you kind of sum up what that uh, means to the city of Houston? Yeah, I mean, this team hasn't been able to to draw the love that the Oilers drew. You know, cause at least the Oilers, they never won it all, never made it to the Super Bowl, but they did bring in the love you blue era, and they made it to the AFC Championship game, and losing to the Steelers is nothing to be embarrassed about. Steelers, you know, one of the greatest uh, stretches of football in NFL history, the most dominant teams. And then um, the owner just wanted a new stadium and went through all of that mess of building stadiums, and you guys have had that happen. In Atlanta, and Houston was one of the first teams where the owner said, well, I'll go get a better deal in Nashville. And people were like, bye. <laughs> but, <laughs> and when the new team came about, everybody figured Los Angeles would get a team first. But Houston was able to pull it off because they had the money and the infrastructure. And Bobby Nair had a whole lot of cash to be able to put up. And the city was building him a stadium when they wouldn't build it for the Oilers. But the Texans haven't gotten that love. I mean, they started out. Won their first game against the Cowboys, and everybody thought it would be great. They've never gone to a conference championship game. And Matt Schaub, I know, played with the Falcons before he came to the Texans, and he he played really well. And then he just fell apart and became pick six monster, throwing you know just. Then the season collapsed in 2013, and they could have done some damage in 2011, 2012, but they haven't done much since then. Then everybody thought. The world was going to change when Deshaun Watson came. They finally had a franchise quarterback. He was outstanding until he wasn't. 
off the field stuff caught up with him and and it's just been everybody's been off the bandwagon. They sold out every game for years and years and years until the Deshaun Watson until COVID, frankly. And and so fans are still slowly coming back. What they've done here these last couple of weeks have people excited in a way they haven't been in, in quite a while. Yeah, and Jonathan, what was the J.J. Watt ceremony like on Sunday? Yeah, um, you know, it was a lot of Steelers fans uh, in the crowd <laughs> per usual, but uh, you, you could tell the love that the city, you know, has. It was a celebration for probably their most beloved player in franchise history between him and Andre Johnson. And, uh, you know, they celebrated him uh, for all the accomplishments. You know, I was able to write a, a story on his rookie season, how he had that pick six of Andy Dalton and how that kind of changed the franchise. How it turned who J.J. Watt was into, you know, one of the better defensive players in NFL history, one of the better defensive linemen and how it helped change that franchise and, and help them learn how to win and become a, a playoff caliber team, you know, until it wasn't, until he asked for his release. Um, but it was definitely a, a celebration for him. I had all his family there and, and uh, you know, the fans were really excited about it. Tyrone, have you uh, got into how you think this game's going to shape up? The Texans, uh, they won their first, lost first two, won two. Then uh, the Falcons are just the opposite. One, two, they're um, – Panthers and Packers, and then they they haven't been able to score any points here of late. Uh, one touchdown over the last uh, 24 possessions. The Texans defense is really something that you know has been a bit of a surprise. They've had some injuries there, too, in the first couple of games. But as guys got back, they didn't, they didn't have their starting safeties who missed early games. But when those guys got back, they've been playing well. They, they were not good against the run last year and couldn't run the ball either on offense. They were dead last in the league. But they've been able to stop the run, put a little pressure on the quarterback. And, and to shut out two teams in the first half and back-to-back games is something that, you know, you expected their defense to be good because that's what D'Amico Rounds is. He's a defensive coach, defensive coordinator with the 49ers. So you knew they would get there. It's just a surprise that they've gotten here so quickly. It'll be a test for them on the road, though. And that'll be something to see. How can they – can you continue to deliver – what you did the week before, you living on your laurels and you might get a little comfortable and think you're better than you are because this is not a top 10 team. It's just a team that's won two games in a row. Okay. Yeah, sounds like they're all in, the, you know, it's uh, you all are in the AFC, so that's a little bit stacked at the top over there. But um, in the NFC, it's some it's some pathways to the playoffs that are, that are open, you know, given that, uh, you know, the 49ers are pretty much the – the, the cream of the class of the, the of the conference, and then maybe Dallas, you don't know. So, you know, everybody thinks they got a shot, but you got to string some wins together. And, Jonathan, tell us a little bit more about that defense and that swagger of Stroud. You know, we got to see it here at the Peach Bowl when he he went total. He had Georgia on the ropes. He had Georgia done till they speared Marvin Harrison and uh, – Georgia and left a receiver wide open. They came back and beat on Georgia. That was basically the national championship game last year, 42-41 in the Peach Bowl. But, yeah, just a little bit more on that defense, Stroud Swagger. And uh, I got, uh, you know, you touched on Nico Collins, Tank Dale. You know, those are the big, big uh, people. But let the folks here uh, in Georgia hear a little bit about Damian Pierce, who's from Bainbridge, Georgia, and I guess he's uh, holding down the run game for him. Yeah, so I get, I'll start with Damian Pierce. You know, he his first two his first three games uh, he started out slow, and it's not really anything he was doing. 
Um, you know, they were dealing with the makeshift offensive line, like Jerome said. Literally, they they're they were down to their third string left tackle, third string left guard, third string center, and third string right tackle. Like they were that, you know, hurt. So it was difficult for Damian Pierce to get some yards, but they found as the continuity has gotten going, they've been able to have the same lineup, you know, two out of the last three games and only had to replace one player. So he was able to kind of get off at 81 yards for 24 carries, which isn't a lot of yards per carry. But, you know, that's really good news because it opens up things for the passing game and allows C.J. Stroud. They like to use a lot of play action fakes in Bobby Sloan's mm-hmm. offense. So they, they love to pound the rock, and, and that opens up things for C.J., and, and it did recently. As far as the defense goes, you know, the defense is a young defense that's dealing, also dealing with a lot of injuries. Middle mm-hmm. linebacker Denzel Perryman's hurt. Uh, Derek Stingley, second-year cornerback Derek oh, right. Stingley yeah, is hurt. LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So, but that's allowed other players to step up. Steven Nelson is having a Pro Bowl caliber year. Um, you know, the veteran 30 year old cornerback had an interception, has two interceptions this year, had an interception last week, pass deflection the week before. Um, he, he's had, uh, opponents are, are have a 62 passer rating when targeting him. And you had their rookies, Henry Toa Toa, stepped up at middle linebacker. Christian Harris, who had struggled the first couple games, had 12 tackles. You know, they, they're having guys who needed to step up in, in place of other guys who are hurt or stepping up. And, uh, you know, that's what they needed. So, you know, they've done a really good job uh, forcing turnovers as well and um, limiting points. And, and, and that's why they've been able to be successful. And that, and that CJ Swagger, CJ's confidence is really rubbing off on everybody. You can really tell. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they see him as a leader. And as he goes, that's how far this team's going to go. Well, hey, gentlemen, um, I really appreciate you all coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. And uh, uh, will you all be coming to town? Yep, definitely. I know. See, I've got this little baseball team, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We we got got a little little, too. We got a little baseball team here too, Jerome. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, hold it down at the Astros, and um, maybe we'll see you if those two teams meet later on. The Astros would would love a little taste of Atlanta (laughs) after losing to them a few years ago. So yeah, no doubt. I, I love a little taste of Atlanta too, if you know what I'm saying. Well, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, they know how to uh, do it here, so they know how to do a little baseball too. So, but uh, yeah, so good luck with the baseball, and I uh, will see you on Sunday, Jonathan. Good luck with the season, and we really thank you all for having uh, having some time to come on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Uh, thanks for coming by. Thank you, sir. Once again, I'd like to thank, give a big. Hearty thanks to our friends, Jerome Solomon and Jonathan Alexander of the Houston Chronicle for stopping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has an offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today... 
You can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and we're going to go over some notes for to help you get ready for the game on Sunday. And we got to discuss the biggest topic around town right now with regards to the Falcons. So we're going to just start off with that. Bench Ritter. That's what uh, Coach uh, Smith said he's not going to do right now. But our columnist at the AJC, Mark Bradley, wrote, hey, the clock is ticking. He's expecting him to be a better manager, but he's mismanaging. He went over the passer ratings of the last three games, and if it doesn't get better, he, you know, he's thinking, you know, right now the clock's ticking. So that's where we're going to stand um, with the columnists. Some people are already calling for him to be benched, but when they made him the quarterback, they had to think this was a possibility. And they got to continue to develop him. It'll be interesting to see what type of leash he has. Does the offense come to life? We're going we're gonna to see. We got some numbers here that uh, we're going to look at about the offense. But right now, clock's ticking. Needs to play better. Mark Bradley said his play has been mismanaging of the offense. You know, the slow starts and so forth. They just need him to manage the thing and, uh, you know, get off to better starts. So we're going to keep an eye on that. You know, and it'll be a topic. It's not going to go away, especially uh, after two performances where they uh, scored one touchdown on 22 possessions. Let's get into the Texans preview. Texans are 2-2. Two and two, The uh, series history. This will be the sixth meeting. The Texans lead 3-2. to two. The last meeting was down there. It was, woo, it was quite the game. Texans put a whooping on the Falcons, 53-32. to 32. Deshaun Watson passed for 426 yards. Game was played on October the 6th, 2019. You know, that's a once a every four-year matchup, according to the divisions and so forth. He threw uh, five touchdowns in that game. And in that game, the Falcons kept leaving Will Fuller open on the deep crossers. Will Fuller looked like Jerry Rice that day. He had 14 catches for 217 yards and three touchdowns. That was the last meeting between the Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons. Thus far, the, uh, the, the Texans, or they're 2-2. Two two. They lost their opener 25-9 at the Ravens. They lost the second game at home, 30, uh, AFC South game, 31-20 to the Colts. And then they went down to Jacksonville and beat the Jacks 37-17. Yeah, and I kind of I did do some work on that game last week. It was just a mess. Jacksonville, they didn't play that poorly against the Falcons, but they played really poorly in this one. This was the the fullback taking the kickoff 85 yards, pick six, 
a block. You know, they, they just um, Calvin really dropped two touchdowns and was offsides twice. Yeah, so the Jags just played crazy, and the Houston Texans took advantage of them. And then the Steeler game, I'll look at that a little bit more. They beat them thirty to six. You know, at uh at home, and um you know to go two, two and two. So some of the offensive stars, Jerome and Jonathan covered them, but, you know, Damon Pierce, he leads them in rushing, 64 carries for 181. He's only averaging 2.8, but they stay with it. Uh, receiving, uh, he also has eight for 68. And y'all know the offense they run. They brought it over from, from Kyle Shanahan. So it's the outside zone, a lot of boots and all that, bootlegs and stretch plays. And then they just want to wear out your defense, run it side to side, and then pop something. And then throw it over the top because they got some, uh, they got a pretty big receivers. Nico Collins, a 6'4", 215 from Birmingham, Alabama, went to play at Michigan. He's got 22 catches for 428 yards and three touchdowns. And then Tank Dell's the smaller one. He's 5'10", 165. He'll probably see some D. Alford there. 16 catches for 265 and two touchdowns. They opened in a uh, traditional 21 formation against the Steelers with two backs, one tight end, and the two wide receivers. Uh, on defense, they opened in standard 4-3, old school standard 4-3, and they got you know a couple of uh, local people on the starting on the defense. Sheldon Rankins from Eastside High and Covington. He uh, is his first year with the um, Texans, and he's starting at tackle. Will Anderson, rookie DN from Dutchtown High, former AJC Super 11, starting at DN. He's got 15 tackles and one sack. I uh, guess those will be coming. And Jonathan Grenard from Hiram, he's starting at defensive end. He was a third-round pick uh, in 2020. And then a couple other uh, familiar names with the Texans. We'll just finish up the locals. Uh, Davis Mills, backup quarterback, Greater Atlanta Christian. And uh, Shaq Mason, Shaq Mason is a former Georgia Tech guard. He is also starting for the Houston Texans. So there you have it, you know, some things on the offense and the defense. Now let's look at um, Stroud. Now I saw I was at the Ohio State Georgia game and he, he, you know, Coach Smith noted that he's been the only person that's been able to move the ball on Georgia's defense the whole last two years, you know, and he did it throwing the ball 23 at 34. I thought I was looking at a pro quarterback that day. 348, um, four touchdowns in that 42 to 41 Peach Bowl game, uh, December 31st, which was essentially the national championship game. Now, Stroud is uh, he's off to um, a great start here 94 151. For 1,212 yards, 62.3% completion percentage, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. Takes care of the ball. 100.7 passer rating. Those are my notes there. We got that covered. Just a couple things on the offense for the Falcons here. 45 possessions for the Falcons, six touchdowns, seven field goals. Okay, and here's what happened against the Jags. It was punt, 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 interception, interception, punt. A six nothings. Can't start off like that. It's a passing league. It's designed to score points. Third quarter, get the touchdown. 
punt, downs, and then a fumble on the last one. So that was the 10 uh, possessions against the Jags. Uh, one touchdown. The Detroit game was 12, no touchdowns. The Green Bay game, they had 10. And um, the Panthers game, they had 13 possessions. So, and you could you could throw out three of the possessions because uh, they were into half, kneel down type thing. So you still got 42 possessions and then just 13 scores. And you want to be, that is the model of lack of efficiency. And that's lack of scoring efficiency. And that's something that's going to have to improve for uh, Desmond Ritter to keep his job. So, um, you know, we, we um, when it's time, if it's time to call for him, I just don't, um, you know, know where you go. Tyler Heineke, you know, he he's played every year. Um, but usually it's been because of injury. Nobody's handed him the job and said, hey, this is your team. Uh, he was signed as a backup. And I don't, I think they, um, you know, they would prefer not to do that. But Desmond's going to have to um, step up his play. And coach is going to have to uh, figure out how to get the offense moving, you know, to um, for him to stay in that spot. And then if they keep, if they lose or keep losing, uh, then that's going to be an issue and it could get real messy and all that kind of good stuff. But this is the stretch of the schedule that I had them. You know, getting I, I predicted the two and two start. I just did, and we've gone over that whole thing when the schedule first come comes out. But I got them winning like the next four. So if they they go six and two, you know, nobody's gonna be talking about uh, the quarterback gonna lose his job. But now that six and two looks a little tougher to get to than it did uh, back in May when that schedule came out. And I'm gonna flip to it real quick. So sorry about the paper turning. But, uh, you know, you, the teams that are coming up are a little bit tougher when, when the schedule came out. Like the Texans, that looks like a tougher game now. Then the Commanders and then the Bucks and Titans. Okay, so the Titans don't look as tough. So then I had them losing to uh, the Vikings and then beating Arizona, which, you know, Arizona jumped up and punched Dallas in the face running the football. So if this works out like I have it, one, two, three, four. I got them winning five of the next six games before their bye week. If they do that, uh, then they're seven. They're sitting there seven and three. And, uh, you know, then they're talking about, you know, making a playoff run. So, and then nobody will be talking about the quarterback's job. But if that goes haywire and they're not seven and three, uh, you know, got to play the games. They're not played when the schedule comes out. But I still like to reference that point for you all. So we're going to get on out of here. We, um, I, I got a kick out of my guys saying, hey, you never invited me on the show. Jared Bell said that too. So we're going to probably be inviting more of our f uh, folks on the show from uh, the other cities to help us uh, get ready for these games, especially at the middle of the week. Uh, yeah, I should already we, we get start working on Washington, Tampa. We'll try to get folks lined up. And then uh, Nashville, we'll... we'll We'll uh, go ahead and start getting people lined up to come on in and help us out, help us get ready. They, they're they there with their teams, and it would be good for them to share with us. So with that, we're going to ask you to take care of yourself and get ready for Sunday's game when the Falcons 2-2 two and two, will host the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud, who are also 2-2 two and two at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium at 1 p.m. Thanks. 
Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the black mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mm-hmm.